He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Once again, we are before your word. Let this time be a fruitful time spent in your presence. Let the Holy Spirit minister to us. Apart from you, Lord, I can do nothing. I give up my vessel, this vessel of clay to you. I say that, Lord, please fill it with your Holy Spirit. Let the power of the Holy Spirit overshadow me. And let the word of God go forth. Let there be freedom in the delivery of your word. Bring to mind, O oh God, what you want your people to know. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher, not me. You are the guide, not me. You are the counselor, and you are the strengthener and the comforter. I pray that you will manifest yourself in all your fullness here. I thank you for your presence that is here. Let your will be done and not my will. For I have shed no blood for your people, but you have shed your blood and purchased them unto yourself. Let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, this morning, I want to speak to you about, hmm, woman, God's secret weapon. Amen. Are we there? I was going to preach about something else, but I believe this is what God wants me to preach about. And I better obey. Amen. Are we there? Psalm 68. Psalm 68. As for the Psalms, I know you know it. You even open to some pages when you are sleeping and you put it under your pillow like a fetish. But when the word of God is not read and applied, it is not as powerful. Psalm 68. If you are still turning, say, wait for me. Okay, we are waiting. Are you there? I myself, am I there? Verse 11. <laughs> the Lord gives the command. The women who proclaim the good tidings are a great host. Kings of armies flee, they flee. And she who remains at home will divide the spoil. Amen. 
Now the Bible here is talking about God giving a command. The Lord gives the command. And then there are certain great host of women who the Bible says they proclaim the good tidings. And they are not a small host. They are not a motley group, but they are a great host. And when they proclaim the good tidings, kings of armies, not one army, kings or captains of armies flee. And when the Bible says things twice, it's for emphasis. Emphasis, it says they flee twice. And she who remains at home will divide the spoil. I thought that she who remains at home will change diapers. She who remains at home will sanitize bottles. She who remains at home will be watching soap operas. She who remains at home will stay on the phone and talk about unnecessary things. But the Bible says she who remains at home will divide the spoil. Hallelujah. It is God who gives the command. And then the great tidings or the good news is proclaimed by a great host of women. It didn't say a great host of professional women, a great host of unskilled women, a great host of uneducated women, a great host of educated women. It didn't say that. A great host of women. So the fact that you are a woman makes you a great candidate that God can use. But oftentimes... We look at the casing or the vessel and we don't think that this vessel can do much. After all, the Bible says that we are the weaker vessel. And I believe that weaker because we cannot lift very strong things. And we cannot lift very strong things because we are delicate if you like. But delicate things are also precious things. Amen. Amen. And we have no apologies for not being made directly from the soil. We were made from the side of man. And I always say that we didn't choose it, but God just chose to make us, make us a more polished version of his creation. Hallelujah. And I believe the one thing that we have as women is perception. The world calls it intuition. The Bible calls it perception. Because Paul said to the people, I perceive that this journey will be with much hurt. So sometimes and often a woman can perceive how the things are going to be. But when you ask her to give you 10 reasons why, she may not be able to give you the 10 reasons why. But she just perceives, like Abigail, that, you know, I just perceive that. This man is going to be king someday. You don't know him. You just rode on your donkey and you went. You don't know anything about David. But when you met, he said, I perceive, my Lord, one day you'll be king of Israel. And the woman with the issue of blood, she perceived. She said, if I would just but touch the hem of his garment. Meanwhile, Peter and Co. were rubbing against the whole robe. And they could not feel anything. But it's just the hem. You see, our things look delicate. But, you know. And with Eve, she didn't come and say, okay, now there should be a democratically elected government. And I should be voted in, you know. I'm a Democrat and I'm really going to lead you. And she didn't do that. 
It was just an apple. Apples rot. Apples don't look strong. Apples get blighted. But the apple in the hands of a woman becomes a different apple. Hallelujah. And you know, when Moses is born, the Bible says at the time of the promise, the people began to multiply. And there was great agitation and oppression. And it was at that time that Moses was born. And Moses' mother, Jochebed, she, she didn't have much, you know, and she had given birth to him in a very oppressive environment. But the Bible says when she could no longer hide him, she made a wicker basket. A man would have built a ship. And a ship will easily be seen by enemies. You see, when my husband goes to shop, if it's tomatoes, he buys a lot. I say, hey, when will we eat all and then finish? You know? And then you have to freeze it. And you have to blend some. It's good to buy a lot, but they go a bit <laughs> overboard, you know? And then I'll say that things are getting rotten. Then dash some. If it's getting rotten, then dash some. But the plan ahead. <laughs> Fully, you had seen a little. You know, but Jochebed just made a wicker basket. Because nobody would think much of it. And she dubbed it with slime and put David there, uh, Moses there. Most of us would do it as just mothers, our maternal instinct. But she did it because of her belief system. So even the natural things that we do depends on motive. Because naturally, oh, you are just caring for Moses. You are just hiding him. You are just, but the Bible mentions her in the book of Hebrews as somebody who believed and it is her belief system that made her make the wicker basket and put it on the river. And she brought her daughter, the Bible says, to see what will become of the baby. And when she reached the end of herself, God sent Pharaoh's daughter just by a cry of the baby. It's usually little things that God uses. And we women look at ourselves and say, what is my weapon? I don't have anything. But you have great weapons. And it's secret because it is hidden in a case that doesn't look so powerful. You, you, are, you don't have a scud missile, a paratrooper. You don't come with wild armies. But you get Adam to sell the whole world. The whole world just through an apple. And an apple is a symbol of sensuality. Something that appeals to the senses. And Eve just gives it to you. You see, even the way we will serve it, you will like to eat it. <laughs> the way we will present the apple. When the man sees it, it doesn't look like what he saw on the tree that God said he shouldn't eat. When Eve's touch <laughs> makes all the difference. Woman, God's secret weapon. That's what we are. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that kings of armies will flee from us. How can that be? Because kings of armies come with whole armies, iron, chariots. In those days, if you like, spears. Now they are ballistic missiles. And all these things are coming against you. You stand there and you say, I'm a woman. I can, I can face this army. I can deal with them. It, it, it's, it's only something small. Why? Because God can use you in mightier ways than you can imagine. Come with me to Judges chapter 4. Judges chapter 4. 
Amen. Judges, you have to go back a bit, not forward, okay, from Psalms. <laughs> it's after Joshua. Because after Joshua, there was no successor, so there were different judges for different areas and different times. Everybody did what was right in their own sight, the Bible says. Judges chapter 4, verse 1. Is there any clock somewhere? Then the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. And the commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in that name, you know. And the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, for he had 900 iron chariots, and he oppressed the sons of Israel severely for 20 years. Now Deborah, everybody say, now Deborah. Now Deborah. A prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at the time. And she used to sit under the palm tree of Deborah, between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the sons of Israel came up to her for judgment. Now she sent and summoned Barak, hmm? the son of Ahinoam from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Behold, the Lord, the God of Israel, has commanded, Go and march to Mount Tabor and take with you 10,000 men from the sons of Naphtali, and from the sons of Zebulun. And I'll draw out to you Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his many troops to the river Kishon, and I will give him into your hand. Then Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go, then I will not go. Is it possible? We'll read as we go along. But now... The Bible says that the Israelites had gone against God and they had been sold into slavery for 20 good years of oppression. And there was a man, a king called Jabin. And this king had an army of 900 iron chariots and he oppressed the people severely. It means that his reign was effective for 20 years. 20 good years. And there is Deborah. The Bible says now Deborah. She was a prophetess. But she was also a wife. The fact that you have a spiritual calling. Does not mean that you should not be a wife. That God uses you mightily. Does not mean that you should not be a good wife. Amen. Amen. She was a prophetess alright. But the Bible mentions she was the wife of Lapidoth. Amen. Amen. Some of you, you have left sink full of washing up and you are in town casting out demons. Come home. Come home. Amen. The Bible says, he who does not take care of his own is worse than an infidel. Sometimes I go to places, there are very powerful lady pastors and the husbands are starving. They have not eaten for three days. One day I heard a very great American preacher, lady, preaching. And then she was on the set with her husband. And the husband said, you know, my children said, 
Daddy, today take us to where we haven't eaten before. In terms of which restaurant and all that. And then the father said, then I'll take you to mommy's kitchen. <laughs> and the preacher said on the set, oh, Randy, that's not nice. The lady preacher said to the husband, that's not nice. And I had the laugh of my life, you know. (laughs) So sometimes we get carried away with what we are doing. And we are not able to be the wives that God called us to be. But God is asking us for balance. May your kitchen not be a place that is not visited often. May the Lord give you grace and wisdom to maneuver in Jesus' name. But Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, sat under a palm tree and was judging the people of Israel. And then a word from God came to her. And she called Barak, the leader of the army. Remember, Deborah is not a commander of the army. She does not have any military skills. She just has what God has deposited in her. And she was able to summon Barak and say, Thus saith the Lord, go and gather Thousands of men from Naphtali and Zebulun. And I will show you that I can deliver Israel. And what does Barak say? If you don't go with me. Is it possible, ladies, that your presence alone makes a difference to the work of God? Is it possible that your being somewhere is a source of encouragement and a push? For somebody to function in his position. Is it possible? Some of you say, when I come to the church, it's not full. When I don't come, it's not empty. So, my position is neutral. There's position. Amen. And what Deborah did was to prophesy to Barak. And I want to tell you, the Bible says that the gift of prophecy is given for edification, for comfort, and for exhortation. And you could easily think that this prophecy, if I give it, then what will happen? We need armies to fight the the enemies, not a prophecy, not a word of encouragement. But that rather is the powerful weapon that God puts in your mouth as a woman. Many times, instead of functioning in our role as encouragers, we become critics. Chief critics, chief justice of the critics society is you. Because some say to me, but sister mommy, if you see the things, can you close your eyes and say that it is not so? How come any time in your home you say we need to talk, it is trouble? How come it's never to praise or to affirm? But every time there's a round table conference, it's to sort out issues. But sometimes a roundtable conference must be to encourage and say you are doing well. You know this problem I talked about, you are not perfect, but I can see that you are making the effort. Thank you very much for making the effort. But when your husband or whoever is making the effort, he says, it's only 40, you should try and rise up to 65. Is that. But if you would just encourage, exhort, and comfort, that 40 will easily become a 75. Hallelujah. The Bible says that as refining silver, so is a man to his praise. And some of you say, what about him? When I scrub the floor, does he see? When 
I do the grocery shopping. Does he see? But you know, it is not a match that you are marking one against one. You are just doing your part. And your father who sees in secret will touch you there. Hallelujah. Many ministries have been birthed on the encouragement of women. Many of our branches that have started, it's a few women who have said, yes, Bishop, come. We'll pray. It will work. We want the church to come. They've opened their doors. They have encouraged when there was no glory. And then after that, the brothers come, you know, and just flow. But perhaps if you had not given that encouragement, God's ministry will not be where it is. But often we look at this, is this a weapon? Encouragement, exhortation, comfort. How can it be a powerful thing? But that is what Deborah had. The Bible says, you know, God asked Moses, what's that you have in your hand? Many of us would have said, just a rod. What can a rod do? But it is not what you have, but what you yield to him. And it is God's touch on that thing that makes all the difference. Hallelujah. Barak said, if you don't go, I will not go. But we think that men are very macho. They can go everywhere. They look so self-sufficient. Sometimes we wonder if we are even useful in their lives. But you are. It's just that they don't tell you. If all the ladies decided that today we won't go, church growth will make a dip. But our presence makes all the difference. If you do not go with me, I will not go. Amen. Amen. And so the anger of the Lord, no, where are we? Verse 9, and she said, I'll surely go with you. Nevertheless, the honor shall not be yours on the journey that you are about to take. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak. They said, okay, you said you won't go if I don't go with you. But because of that, the honor will come back to a woman instead of a man. And the Lord will sell. Hey, do you know what it means for a person to be sold? When he's sold, he has no rights. When he's sold, he totally belongs to the other party. And just from a woman's obedience, every satanic force can be sold. Hallelujah. The Lord will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman today. But the only thing is that you will not receive the honor. Then Deborah arose. Ladies have to arise. She could just have given the word and sat at one place. Oh, I don't have much. I don't have what. But the Bible says that Deborah arose. Many of you, you sat down for too long. And it's also because you think, you know, there's a daughter convention. Well, they've called the committee members. As for me, there's nothing that I can do. Why don't you ask, what can I do? When God met Paul, Saul, he said, what is it that, what would you have me do? Hallelujah. And you asking in the church of God, what can I do, will make a difference. You may not be a pastor, you may not be a shepherd, but you can do something. Hallelujah. Hmm. 
We are reading on. Verse 10. And Barak called Zebulon and Naphtali together to Kadesh and 10,000 men. You would think that 10,000 men are enough and that your presence is not necessary. Why should Deborah go with you when you are going with 10,000 men on horses, chariots? I, can you imagine the intimidation? And you are told that if you don't go with me, I wouldn't go. I thought that 10,000 men would be enough for you. An army of 10,000 would flow, but that's not the case. And so don't let us look down on our contribution. Don't let us look down on what our presence does. Don't let us look down on what God gives us in our hands. They are all powerful weapons in the hands of God. Amen. Amen. Now, verse 11, Heba the Kenite had separated himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent as far away as wherever. Verse 12, then they told Sisera that Barak, the son of Ahinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. And Sisera called together all his chariots, 900 iron chariots. Hmm. And all the people who were with him, from Harosheth Hagoim to the river Kishon. And Deborah said to Barak, arise, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Already Deborah had given him a word. He said, I won't go unless you go. And then when this man has um, uh, put his army together and all that, it takes Deborah again to say to Barak, arise. Where are the Deborahs? There are many Baraks. They are skilled in battle. They are commanders, of, com commanders in chief of armies. But they need us to say, arise. They need us to say, it's time. They need us to give them that push so that the kingdom of God will go forth. Amen. Arise. Why? For this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Did you not know that? Behold, the Lord has gone out before you. So, what does so mean? Consequently, because she spoke, Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. Hmm. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Harosheth Hagoim. And all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not even one was left. Now Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, for there was peace between them. 18, and Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my master. Turn aside to me. Do not be afraid. And he turned aside to her into the tent, and she covered him with a rag. And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I'm thirsty. So she opened a bottle of milk and gave him a drink. Then she covered him. And he said to her, Stand in the doorway of the tent, and it shall be if anyone comes and inquires of you and says, Is there anyone here that you shall say no? Hmm. But Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg and seized a hammer in her hand and went softly to him. And drove the peg into his temple. And it went through into the ground. For he was sound asleep and exhausted. 
So he died. And behold, as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said to him, Come, and I'll show you the man whom you are seeking. And he entered with her, and behold, Sisera was lying dead. Hmm. With the tenth peg in his temple. So God subdued on that day, jabbing the king. Hallelujah. Now the Bible says that Sisera alighted from his horse and fled. The whole army. Why? Because Deborah had just spoken a word of encouragement. Because Deborah's presence was there. All these things were able to happen. Now he was the main person. And you know they always look for the leader. Because the leader, like Osama bin Laden, can gather people again. (laughs) So you always look for the head of the leader. That is why the ransom on Osama bin Laden's head has been increased. You know, so that if you get him now, you get the reward is higher. But Cesar got off and was running away. And then he saw Jael coolly. The Bible says she was standing in the doorway of the tent. You see, she didn't go to the battlefront. She didn't wear any armor and boots and all those frightening things they wore. She was a housewife, coolly standing in the doorway of her tent. And Cesara ran. And saw her. And Jael said, turn aside to me, my master. Turn aside to me. You see, the way we even speak is a weapon. (laughs) Amen. Have you ever thought of it? Look at Samson, great man. You are moving the gates of Gaza. You are killing so many thousands of Philistines in one go. And then a lap. A lap can make you change your whole mind. The woman tells you lies three times. Still, you can't think straight. You know, people say that, oh, women have a lot of problems, but beloved, our weapons are not carnal. But they are mighty. Amen. You get up. So the Philistines are upon you. You get up. You shake yourself. Hey, one thing has happened. Then you go back to the lap. As soon as your head hits the lap, you don't think straight anymore. And Jael was inviting. Turn aside to me. And she called him my master. Meanwhile, he's your chief enemy. Chief enemy. Ecclesiastes 7 says that I have seen many men and I can see their ways. But among a thousand women, not even one that I can see her ways. And you know, we know ourselves, but the men cannot see our ways. How can a sweet, smiling sister, worshipping so full of her, be some way? Because there are many parts to us. You know, but the man who said that, oh, she's very dedicated. She loves God, my main shepherd. But, hmm. <laughs> the Bible says about the strange woman, her ways are intractable. You cannot know them. Her ways are not straightforward like that. So the adulterous woman, she eats, and then she wipes her lips. So there's no trace of the food. And she says, I know no evil. And then the man looks and says, it's true. Even when I look at her mouth, she has not eaten, but she has wiped it. (laughs) Fully. Amen. So Jael stands there and says, turn aside to me. And sister is running away, 
running away from Barak, running away from armies, running away from men. But when he sees the inviting nature of a woman, so this housewife standing here so harmlessly, what can she do? And when she says, turn aside, he does. And then he says, give me water. I say, I'll give you milk. <laughs> milk is more refreshing. I'll give you milk, no water. And the Bible says that when she brings him in, he has not asked to be covered, but she covers him with a rag. You see, our weapons, rag, milk. Hey, man. Something has gone wrong. Amen. The only thing is that she was doing it for a good cause. May you also use your weapons for the right cause. Many times you use your weapons for wrong causes. Wrong. Things that you shouldn't use your weapons for, that's what you use your weapon for. But God is saying, now direct that weapon. That inviting nature you have, use that to win souls to me, not to put people in bed. Hallelujah. It's the same gift, but it can turn in different ways. Amen. So when those people are giving you rubs, it's, oh, follow me to church. You know, I would like you to come to church. And I mean, God will do something. Not that you come to church and then after that, the signs and wonders are not in common. They don't commensurate with the church. The different signs and wonders follow the works. It's not good. If you bring them to church... Don't end up in bed with them. <laughs> Hallelujah. JL said, turn aside to me. My master, men love praise. Hallelujah. They have something called the ego. But don't stroke it because you want more money to go shopping. <laughs> but praise them so that they'll be the men that God has called them to be. The man in the heat of the, um, the fight, he's running. And then he sees an inviting place. May your home be an inviting place. May your personality be an inviting place. May your presence in the church make the church an inviting place. Not a place for quarrels. The people, when they come, they want to go away. No. But even your smile alone and how you say, sit down. Oh, you've got, Not that you'll get something out of it, but so that God's work can go on. And his kingdom can be established. So she opened a bottle of milk and she put him to sleep. And when the man drank the milk, he slept. The Bible says, she covered him again. When you cover a person snug and, you know, he feels so warm. And the commentary says that he went into jail's tent because in those days, women had tents and men had tents. And he felt that it was not likely that he would be found in a woman's tent. And also, he thought that there would be no danger in going into a woman's tent. Now, when she had lured him, given him milk, covered him, she took a tent peg because that's all she had. She was a tent dweller. When she looked around her, she didn't have AK-47. She didn't have bazooka. She just had a tent peg. And when you look at a peg, even the peg that you use to dry your clothes, how can it be used for anything. But it's not the kind of weapon, but the weapon in your hands. Because you are anointed. God has a purpose for you. God has a plan. God has a destiny. So don't look at the peg and say, what is this? But say, Lord, what have you given me? 
May I recognize it and may I use it. Even if you are a housewife, God can use you no matter where you are. And I have been at home not working for some time before. You know, and it's no easy thing. All you hear is baby talk. All you see is diapers, unpleasant smells, vomiting, things that you are not excited about. And you think to yourself, so what will become of me? Where's my life going now? But I've come to see that all those are seasons. And you can use them to grow in the things of God. It won't be forever. Later, you look back on it and say, oh, I had more time then. I could have done more. I could have gotten into the word more. I could have prepared more sermons to preach. I could have reached out to more people. I could have interceded, but we're so busy complaining about problems that we never saw what we had. Sometimes you have a good man. He's not perfect, but he's good. You see, God doesn't give us perfect husbands, but he gives us godly husbands. And they are good. Amen. But your bar is so high that he can never reach him. A lot of Christians have, their expectations are too high. Unrealistic expectations. Somebody told me when I heard that on the tape, I wasn't happy at all. You say we have unrealistic expectations. It will let the men relax. I said no. When somebody knows that something is attainable, the person will reach for it. You know? But just before I came, a marriage counseling session, the husband was saying, what else can I do for you? What else do you want? I do this, you say it's not enough. I give you this, you say it's not enough. I do, what else? And I can see the frustration. You know? But if you would just see that he's trying He's a good man. He's a Christian man that God has given you. Go out into the world and see. And vice versa. The men should also go out into the world and see. <laughs> Amen. One uh, lady pastor, a pastor's wife came to minister in our church. A Scottish lady and she asked me. When she was preaching, she said, ladies, don't beat your husbands. <laughs> and I was very surprised. So afterwards, then she asked me. Do the ladies here beat their husbands a lot? I said, no. So in Scotland, they do. <laughs> so it depends on which side of the divide you are. But turn away my master. And then she took the tent peg and a hammer. Because in those days, women built their tents themselves. And it's like, I'm at home. What can I do? What can God use me for? But God can use you for many great things. Sometimes God retreats you so that you will develop the spirit of prayer. So that you will learn how to pray. He brings you into retreat so that you will prepare for verses that you are yet to meet things that those verses will have to be used to fight that battle. But as you were sitting there, you were just soaking in Oprah Winfrey. So when the battle came, you said, what did Oprah say? Ah, and then the people... And the, Dr. Phil said, and, and they are not uh, weapons. It is the word of God that is the sword of the spirit. I myself have seen in my own life that sometimes you read verses or have a quiet, some quiet time. It doesn't apply to you at the moment. But it's just a preparation of the gospel. It's here. And when the situation arises, God will cause that to come up out of you. Hallelujah. And when she took the tent peg and the hammer, how did she go? Softly. Femininity is our plus. It's a gift. Hallelujah. The woman at the well 
she also had the gift of the gab. So when Jesus was talking, she thought that he was one of her usual customers. And that he was trying to wrap it. How can you, a, a Jew, ask me a Samaritan for what? Where do you know me from? And, uh, <laughs> she didn't know this was a man with a difference. But the Bible says after Jesus administered to her, she left her pot there. And she went to the men in the city. Why didn't she go to the women? She went to familiar territory. She went to where she had, she had been operating. And the Bible says all the men of the city followed her. But if another man goes to call them, they may not come. But the way she had been feminine, she had married five times. Five times. The first one was a mistake. The second one, she was not sure. The third one, she thought she would try. The fourth one, she thought maybe he loves me. And the fifth one, she said, I would try again. And then the sixth one, she said, no marriage, but just trial and error. <laughs> and it still didn't work. Amen. But she went to the city and called the men. And the men said that we came because of her word. Her word alone. You see, there's something about a woman that attracts a man. And when you use that to the glory of God, it helps the work of God. Amen. So she went softly. Hallelujah. Some of us, we are too military. You need to do things soft. The Bible says a soft answer turns away rebuke. It means a hard answer brings the rebuke fully. So when your husband says, you've done this, why? Oh, it wasn't intentional. But when you turn around and say, hey, you too. You too, do you know how many times? The Bible says a soft answer breaketh a bone. Bones are not easy to break by your softness. Your softness. Turn to the next sister and say, be soft. She came softly. Because men are hard, ragged from the soil, softness is something they don't have. And usually opposites attract. So when they look, it's softness that attracts them because they don't have that. They are muscle and, you know. And God did not make Adam and Steve. He made Adam and Eve. <laughs> Hallelujah. So don't become Steve in the house. You are Eve. She came softly. And she put the temple. If she had come with a lot of noise and uh, anger and energy and fire huffing and puffing sister would have woken up but she came softly ladies come to your husband softly amen even when he doesn't deserve it you come softly it's a weapon amen you see the reason why that your beloved ran away is because when he he crosses the line a little it's not easy for him uh-huh you say you'll come at five. Look, I'm telling you, don't come again. Don't come again. Have you heard? Don't come again. When you say, Lucy, when you say you'll come at five, you make me, you know, schedule things as if you'll come at five. And then when you don't come, it messes everything up. Please try not to repeat it again. You've solved the problem. Amen. Come softly. There are many things that women did softly in the Bible. One day I'll 
preach about killing me softly. Amen, ladies. So she came softly and drew the peg <laughs> into the temples of Caesar. Can you believe the man did not even know he was dying? I mean, he didn't even wake up. The milk, the milk had put him out completely. And then Jael came out and stood in the tent door. And then the people are now looking for Sister around in and said, Oh, come in and see. It was no hard job. I didn't even sweat, you know. I didn't even expend any energy, you know. No worries. I just became the woman that the woman that God wanted me to be. <laughs> Amen. And the Bible says that the people came in. And Sisera had been dealt with. He had been killed. Hallelujah. Now, Judges chapter 5, verse 1, and I'm about ending. Then Deborah and Barak, the son of Ahinoam, sang on that day, saying that the leaders led in Israel, that the people volunteered. Bless the Lord. Verse 5, the mountains quaked at the presence of the Lord. This Sinai are the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamga, the son of Anath. In the days of Jael, the highways were deserted. And the travelers went by roundabout ways. The peasantry ceased. They ceased in Israel. Until I, Deborah, arose. Until I arose. A what? A mother. A mother, not a warrior. Not a commander of the army, but I arose as a mother of Israel. Even to rise as a spiritual mother is also a weapon. Hallelujah. And so when you also arise as a mother in Israel, usually we are thinking about ourselves, our circle, our clique. You don't belong. You are not a part. You are not whatever. But if you arise as a spiritual mother in Israel, even men will come under your covering. And God will use that to do great things in his kingdom. Amen. I'll not read so many verses. Verse 14. In fact, let's read 24 so that we... 24. Most blessed of women is Jael, the wife of Heba the Canaanite. She was a wife, you know. She could have said, I have a lot of things to do in the tent. I cannot come and stand out outside to cool it off and see Sisera. And even when I see Sisera, I will not think that there's anything I can contribute to Israel's victory. But we need to recognize the opportunities that God brings. And we need to use them accordingly. Most blessed is she of women in the tent. Among women in the tent, most blessed is she. So all of us are in the tent. But you can be a woman with a difference in that same tent. And I'm speaking to some homekeeper here today. I'm speaking to some homemaker in the future. That you can be most blessed among women in the tent. Hallelujah. Let's read on. He asked for water and she gave him milk. Hmm. Some of us, even the water you have asked for is a bother. 
I'm standing here. Don't you know it's a very hot summery afternoon? Don't you know it's 100 degrees Fahrenheit? You are now running. If you are running, run along. Don't come and ask me for water. But he asked for water. And she gave him milk. May you become that kind of woman. In Jesus' name. The Shunammite woman. She didn't go preaching with Elijah. She didn't even have a congregation. She just said, this is a holy man of God. Let's make an upper room for him. And let him pass in, turn in and out as he goes on his journey. That's all. She didn't ask for a child. But she didn't have a child. And just by creating that room, God made a way for her. Hallelujah. Even Dorcas in the book of Acts, she didn't make a prayer meeting that when I die, try and raise me up. No. She just made clothes for widows. And when she died, the widows and widow, widowesses came and said, we can't let her die because of clothes, things that look perishable. And so they sent for Peter from Joppa. You see, Cornelius sent for Peter for the Holy Ghost. But Peter was also sent for the sake of Dorcas. And she was raised from the dead. Not by doing an all night, not by shouting in the name of Jesus, but by making clothes for the saints. A woman's weapons are powerful. Amen. He asked for water and she gave him milk. May you give people milk when they come to your house instead of water. We have been to places where we have starved. Starved. As guests, we have starved. And such as my husband has said, you know, you've gone, you've starved, and then you've come back quietly. Call the person and tell her that it's not right. Because the person will not change. She does not know. You know, I said, ah, but if you starve somebody, you know. <laughs> Won't you know? He said, no, 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 you have to address it, you know. But it's like something you know, but it's in your head. I said, yes, next time I'm going to prepare. I know that I have to take this, take this thing, because hunger awaits me. <laughs> it's true. One of our pastors said to me, Sister Mami, I went to a place, one of our churches in Europe. I went to preach. Hey, I was staying with somebody in the morning, no food. They didn't show me that this is here, that nothing. So I said, uh, maybe they'll give me brunch. <laughs> brunch time came, nothing. He ate air fully. No shop around, no deli, no grocery shop. So he said, uh, maybe they want to give me lunch. You know, maybe they want to give me lunch so that when I relax, lunch, nothing. And he said, and besides, I had fasted from where I was coming from already. <laughs> It's not that I'm coming to preach, so I'm fasting at that time. So he was surprised. Then as he got ready for the meeting in the evening, no food. She said, okay, I'll go. He went and preached. Oh, that's for when we come back home. She said, mommy, believe me, I didn't eat. I slept hungry. So he said, nowadays, I go prepared. I don't have anybody on my mind. And I used to think these stories were incredible till I experienced it myself. Can I take him preach when I say he went somewhere with his wife? Every day, no food in the kitchen. One carrot and an egg. One day, they just used whatever to break the egg and eat it. After that, nothing. And they hadn't brought any offering to be able to eat too. They had traveled with all that they had. And when I listened to her, I said, oh, that was Kenneth Higgins' time. I tell you, it's now. <laughs> and we women must change. We must become more caring, more loving, and more hospitable. It's an inconvenience, but do it. God will bless you for it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I have been with my team in a place where they were so hungry, they were shaking like this. I said, come, I'll take you to KFC. Come, 
before you faint, before we go for the meeting. And then they said to me, because some of them were also some way, in terms of hospitality, we have seen that you can easily faint too. We have to change. That's what they said about themselves. We have to, one of them was so angry, she bit her lip when I gave her the food. <laughs> it's true. And this is very recent. Very, very recent. Because people are doing things, or I don't know whether their mind is not there. Or, I mean, some people, we even fed their children also because we realized that the hunger, we're all in it together. <laughs> And so now I've decided to preach about such things because at first I thought that it's far-fetched. It doesn't exist. It exists. Amen. And I see some husbands, I go to some homes, they are always eating cereal. Not because they love it, but availability. That is what is available. One husband said to Bishop, I have become a scavenger in my house. I look through the rubble, the rubbish, and what I can get, I eat. And if I didn't know you, I would resent you because my wife is a mighty preacher, mighty person preaching, whatever. But when I come home, it's not easy for me. Amen. Amen. And this husband has a very large, healthy appetite. But when you see him in his house, it's as if he's fasting. (laughs) He's not. So please change your ways. He asked for milk, and she gave him... He asked for water, and she gave him milk. In a magnificent bowl, she brought him cats. How do you serve your food? Boom! Eat! Here! Have it! In a magnificent bowl. The magnificent bowl alone made Cicera eat the thing fully. The way we even present things. You see, sometimes we think, oh, the hospitality is not spiritual. The things we do, the spiritual things are preaching, casting out devils, miracles, anointing with oil, fasting, but not this. How can I give milk and then, but if it's not there, the ministry cannot go forth. If it's not there, the work of God cannot advance. And we need all these things to come together so that the work of God can go forth. She brought it in a magnificent bowl. That's your old bowl with chips all over, chipped everywhere. Throw it away, okay? We are in America. Throw it away. In a magnificent bowl, she brought him cats. You know, when Pastor Rachel gives me food, I say, Rachel, I can just go to the pot and dish myself up because I'm a mother and I know what it's like. You don't have to bring all these, your magnificent bowls. But she does. Amen. May the Lord remember you. She reached out her hand for the tent peg and her right hand for the workman's hammer. It means that when it came to hammering, she usually was not the one who would do it. But when it became necessary for her to step into the place of a man and use a man's weapons, she was ready. She reached out her right hand. The right hand in the Bible signifies your place of strength. So she used strength to take something that was not usually her familiar territory, just so that the enemy will be overcome. Hallelujah. She reached out her hand for the tent peg and her right hand for the workman's hammer. Then she struck Sisera and she smashed his head. Hmm. And she shattered and pierced his temple. 
Between her feet, he bowed. Women, you are powerful. Hmm. Between her feet, he bowed. He fell. He lay. Between her feet, he bowed. He fell. Twice. Where he bowed, there he fell dead. Out of the window, she looked and lamented. The mother of Sisera. It's talking now about the mother. But what I like about this is that is Deborah singing this song to a younger woman. Singing this song to another woman. Is Deborah recognized that even though I gave the prophecy and I set Barak on his way, God used another woman to complete the job. You need another woman to become all that God wants you to become. Hallelujah. And sometimes that other woman may be younger than you, but you may still have to celebrate her. You may still have to honor her. Hallelujah. The young people in the church must be encouraged. The young people in the church must be brought together. The young people in the church must be given things to do because they are jails in our midst. And I pray that you will recognize the time of your visitation. Because I realize that you can have a tent peg. You can have an arm, arm, hammer. You can have milk. You can have a magnificent bowl. You can have kids. But you may not recognize that. As Cicera is running past, this is my season. This is my time. This is my opportunity. May the Lord open your eyes. May you look for opportunity. And when it presents itself, may you use the weapons that God has given you. I came to talk to somebody about low self-esteem. Don't look down on yourself. Look up. For God can use anything. If God can use me, then God can use you. I never dreamed that God would bring me to a place like this. And I know that he has not finished with me yet. Neither has he finished with you yet. What is it that you have in your hands? Sometimes it's even a little boy's lunch. Five loaves and two fish. But the Bible says, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke it. Look up to heaven, give thanks for what you have in your hand. And release yourself for God to use you. God bless you in Jesus' name. Stand to your feet, please. Amen. I want us to pray. I want us to pray. Pray that the Holy Ghost will anoint your eyes with eyes salve. That you will see what you have. It's not only seeing what you have, but seeing the usefulness of what you have. Because you can have a tent peg and say, it's nothing. It can't accomplish much. But pray to Jehovah today from the depths of your heart. And say, Lord, I have so many things around me, but I don't know that they can be useful. May I know what is useful to you. And when I find what is useful to you, may I reach out for it and allow you to use it to the glory of your name. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Please help me. me. I 
I don't know whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. I want to be sure. I want to go to heaven, Pastor. Pray for me. I want to be sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell. You are here like that tonight or this morning. I want you to lift up your hands. Pastor, I need to straighten things out with God. I need to rededicate my life to God. Master, I need to give my life to Christ. And I want you to pray with me. You are here like that today. Lift up your hands wherever you are. And I'll pray with you. Come to Jesus. He's the fountain of life. He's the best friend you could ever have. He's the one that can make a difference in your life. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. You are here like that. Just lift up your hands and say, Jesus, I'm coming to you. Come to Jesus, the fountain of life, the living water, the one who satisfies. If you have lifted up your hand, I want you to take a further step. Come forward to me where I am. I want to pray with you. I want to stand with you. Come forward. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Come boldly to the throne of grace that you may receive mercy. I need to rededicate my life. I need to give my life to Jesus. I want to be born again, Pastor. If you are here like that, just come forward. Come up to the stage to me for you are far away. Come, come to Jesus. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Rev. Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.